we fall on our knees in honor of a king. Christ divine, you sense him today. Do you feel his presence? He is here. He is real. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to strengthen you in your walk with him. He loves you. Think about that. God loves you. During this interim period, we want to focus on two things. The presence of God and the purpose of God. For it's in His presence, it's when we dwell in His presence that His purpose is revealed to us. A few weeks ago, I preached from Luke's Gospel and we looked at the story of Mary. And I challenge you every time you see a nativity to pray the prayer, Lord, may it be. The same prayer that Mary prayed, may it be. Lord, may it be. Whatever your will is, whatever it is that you want from me, Lord, that's what I want. Stop on your way. For, my, for me on my journey home, there are three nativities. And each time I see them, I pray a prayer, Lord, may your will be done. May it be. This past week, um, I got a text, and it was a text from Pastor Trey, and he said, Sophia just did the cutest thing. We were in Menards, and she said, pray, Daddy, pray. Pray, Daddy, pray. And he didn't understand what she was saying, and so he asked Candace, Candace, what, what's Sophia saying? And, and Candace said, well, she's saying, pray, Daddy, pray. And, and he thought, well, why, why is she saying that? And finally, uh, Sophia pointed out a nativity. It was one of these blow-up nativities. She saw it in the middle of Menards, and she said, pray, Daddy, pray. So they got down, and, and Trey got down and close to Sophia, and right there in the middle of Menards, they prayed, Lord, may it be. Today, I want to encourage you to not only pray this prayer, may it be, but we're going to challenge you to allow, to ask God to help you to Allow His Holy Spirit to shine through me. Shine through me. And we'll get to that later in the message this morning. Our text this morning is found in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Beginning at verse 8. It's that last three words of verse 8. And then we'll read through verse 14. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Now, if you're new to the Bible, it's near Revelation. So go all the way to the back of your New Testament and go back a few books and you'll find 1 John. Don't confuse this with the Gospel of John. This is 1 John chapter 4. How many of you brought your Bibles today with you? Let me see them. How many brought an electronic version? Let us see it. All right. Very good. It's good to see all those Bibles here in worship this morning. The very first part of that verse of John, the very last part of John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. Jesus came to earth as a babe in a manger because God is love. The reason for his birth was because he loves you and he loves me. The reason that God became man is because God is love. It's that simple. God is love. It's an attribute of God. It's who He is. And He loves you. And He loves me. 
Now, I want you to understand this. This, this is not a feeling. It's not about romance. It's, it's not about liking someone. This love is a commitment to love someone whether they love you or not, whether they deserve it or not. God loves you even though you do not deserve his love. And certainly when it comes to God and his grace extended to us, we do not deserve that kind of grace. We do not deserve God himself to send his one and only son to die for us so that we might have life and have it to its full. But because God is love, he sent his son for you and for me. The love of God is a commitment to love us even when we do not deserve it. And Romans Chapter 5, verse 8, demonstrates this for us, where it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we are still sinners, while we did not deserve his love, Christ died for us. Now let's look at the beginning of verse number 9 in John, 1 John 4, 9. When we look at this scripture, we begin to understand a little bit more about God's love for us. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might have life through him, that we might live through him. See, God's love has been shown to us through his son, Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus so that we might begin to grasp who God is. If you want to understand about God, the nature of God, the attributes of God, look to Jesus. You see, it's in Jesus that we begin to understand the depth of God's love for us. Now, Jesus walked on the earth for 33 years, and, was a, and he was the visible manifestation of an invisible God. In other words, God is no longer some great invisible force for good in the universe, but God is the very personal God. Who loves you and, and he loves me. And we can understand more about God by looking to the person of Jesus Christ. For example, when we see Jesus reaching out to the poor, reaching out to the widows, reaching out to orphans, we understand God's compassion and his love and his love for us. When we see Jesus kneeling at his disciples' feet and washing their feet, we see God's love expressed through humility. Philippians writes it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He tells us that our, our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death. On a cross. You see, in Jesus, we see the visible image of an invisible God. Christ came so that we might understand who God is. When we read the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, often called the Magna Carta of the kingdom of God or the manifesto of a king, we begin to see what God cares about. He cares about love and humility rather than force. Turning the other cheek instead of a, an eye for an eye. 
Jesus challenges the believers to go beyond the superficiality of the materialism of this world and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and to trust God for all the rest. He places a high level on purity. In Matthew, we read, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that if any man looks upon a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery in his heart. You see, he gets the heart of the matter. When a woman has been subject, Jesus reveals himself to us, God reveals himself to us through Christ. When a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years is healed, when she touches the edge of Jesus' garment, we see an all-knowing God. You see, Jesus knew immediately power had gone out from him. Even though the crowd was pressing in on every side, he knew that power had left him. And so we see an all-knowing God. When we see a sinful woman anointed by Jesus, who anointed Jesus with an alabaster jar of perfume, when, he, when she approached him, he was sitting at a dinner table, reclining. His feet were behind him. And she came and stood behind him and was weeping because she had met Christ. And he had offered forgiveness for her many sins. And she couldn't get over it. And the tears flowed. And as the tears flowed down her cheeks, they dripped on her feet. And she dried off his feet with his, her hair. Simon the Pharisee, who was there that day, who was hosting that dinner, was disgusted by this. And the scripture says in Luke chapter 7, verse 39... Simon said to himself, he spoke to himself, he didn't speak out loud. He said, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him. Even though he had spoken to himself, he didn't speak these words out loud. He said it to himself. And Jesus answered him. Then you look down in verse 47, it says... I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. When I was at the Springdale Church of the Nazarene, we had a, uh, one of our parents. His name was Ronnie Basham. Ronnie was a big, burly kind of a guy, a former Marine, just tough, tough, tough. He was saved out of a life of sin. Had a, lived a very rough life life. Now he was a bricklayer, served on our church board, a godly man. And the depth of his love was only compared to the depth of God's love for him. He would testify in a worship service. He couldn't get over what God had done for him and the change that he'd experienced. And he would weep Because of God's love for him. God loves you. He loves me. When we see Jesus healing Lazarus and the sick. And calling Lazarus out from the grave. And exercising demons. We find Christ who had power over 
who had power over death, hell, and the grave. And we begin to get a grasp of who God is as we look at Jesus. So when you look at Jesus, you begin to understand God, for Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. So as we study his word, as we study his life, we begin to get, we begin to grasp who God is and how much he loves us. Now I want us to go back to verse 9 of 1 John chapter 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. Now Jesus is the only one. There's no other like him. He was supernaturally conceived, born of a woman. He was fully man and he was fully God. There was no one like Jesus before or since. He is unique. He is the begotten son of God. Muhammad formed one of the most, formed one of the most influential religions in all, of, all the world. But Muhammad lived and he died. Buddha, he lived and he died. Confucius, he lived and he died. But Christ, the God-man, fully God and fully man, he lived among us for 33 years. He died on a cross, but on the third day he rose again. There's no one like him. He is our Redeemer And it is Christ on this Christmas season that we celebrate. Let's continue to read in verse 9. God sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Now another reason that Jesus came was so that we would receive life. The title of this message, by, by the way, is why Jesus came. Did you get that, Stephen? Why Jesus came. And another reason that Jesus came was so that we might receive life. I'm not talking about physical life. I'm talking about spiritual life. If you flip forward in your Bible to 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, you'll read these words. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life life that is spiritual life he's speaking about eternal life you see no one receives eternal life outside of this life our opportunity is now to accept Christ we can't accept Christ after we died and gone on our opportunity is now we can't pray for someone to to be accepted into the kingdom of God after they passed on. You see, the opportunity is now. And God offers to us life. Life eternal. I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. He's speaking about spiritual life. You see, it doesn't matter how nice you are or how moral you are. It doesn't matter how deeply religious you are. If you do not have the Son, you are spiritually dead. I can't make it any clearer than that. Christ offers to us a free gift of salvation. Have you accepted Him? Have you received Him as your Savior and Lord? He offers to us life, eternal life. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the night, 
And, and Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus questioned him. How, how can I be born again? How can I return to my mother's womb? Jesus was talking about spiritually, spiritual life, spiritual birth. He said, if you do not, if you are not born again, if you are not born spiritually, you will not receive the kingdom of God. And these are the words of Christ. When we receive Christ, we are born into the kingdom of God. And we receive spiritual, eternal life. Now let's look at verse 10. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He came to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. What does that mean? What what does it mean to be an atoning sacrifice? It's about satisfying justice. You see, there's a price to be paid for our sins, and all have sinned. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. There's a price to be paid for our sin. So God, being a just God, sends His one and only Son to die for us to pay the penalty for our sins. He is the atoning sacrifice. Now on Thursday, Thursday's my day off. It's the day that I usually like to spend a little longer in the gym. It's the day that I like to read a little bit and do a little house cleaning. It's... You know, I, I, there's some things that I like to do on my day off. Often I get out and ride my bike. Uh, when it's cold like this, I'm a fair weather rider. But this Thursday, uh, I got up, and when I woke up, I, I spent two hours um, working on the message this morning. I wanted to kind of get it behind me so that I could have the day and not worry about Sunday. So I spent about two hours, worked on that. Then I went to the gym, and I spent about an hour and a half in the gym. It was just really a good day. You ever have one of those days where you're just you kind of chatty? It's just such a good day. Then I go to the mall, and I decided, you know, I need to find some different ideas for a wardrobe. Uh, I, I, you know, I've been challenged to dress a little more casually, not be always have a tie on. And, and so I, and I don't know what, really know what that looks like because I'm comfortable in a suit and a tie. So I'm looking at ideas. Usually when I go shopping, I go right in to the store, buy exactly what I intended to buy, and get out. I'm not a shopper. Now, I like to shop, but I just I don't have time for it, so I don't spend time doing it. And I get in and I get out. Well, this was different. It was my day off. I intended, so I went to shop. I went in through J.C. Penney's and got some ideas there, and then I walked out, and there's this chocolate place called South Bend Chocolate Factory. And I thought, you know, mocha sounds pretty good right now, so I got a medium-sized mocha. And I was a little bit chatty, so I'm, you know, the gal's back there making my mocha, and there's this girl, she's, she's waiting on me, and uh, I'm talking to her, and I noticed, you know, they actually use real chocolate in the mocha. It's not the powder. It's real chocolate. I, oh, that's good. And then they, they not only did that, they pressed the coffee when they made the espresso. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a really good cup of coffee. And I, and I complimented them on that. And, and uh, so I, I took a sip of the coffee. Oh, it was so good. They put the little chocolate spoon in there. And I licked the chocolate off as it was melting. I mean, it was so good. So I, you know, I walked away and I and I go to Express and I'm talking to a girl in there about, you know, what, you know, what should I be buying and getting some ideas and I have my coffee in my hand and 
And then I head out of there. I got some new ideas and some new thoughts, and I began to walk towards Macy's. And I get close to Macy's, and I realize she never gave me any change. There's no change in my pocket. She didn't give me back my change. So I, I pull my wallet out of my pocket, and, and I realize that I came to the mall with $19, and there were still $19 in my wallet. Well, earlier I'd seen Gladwin Hay. He was walking in the mall. And, and so now I'm headed back from Macy's towards the chocolate factory, South Bend Chocolate Factory. And, and I see Gladwin. I say, Gladwin, pray for me. I just stole a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and it began to occur to me, you know, um, there might be security out here looking for me. And I could spend some time in jail because there's a penalty for pay, there's a penalty to be paid for stealing. Well, I got back to the South Bend Chocolate Factory. There was no security guards there. Nobody was waiting on me. Matter of fact, they had no idea that I did not pay. I offered to pay. They said, "Are you sure you didn't pay?" I said, "Well, I'm pretty sure I only had $19 in my wallet when I walked in the mall." And I still had $19. There's no change in my pocket, so I'm pretty sure I never paid. But the reality is there's a price to be paid. And Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Only Jesus is qualified to pay that price, to pay for that penalty. You see, he is the sinless one, the spotless lamb of God. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, they would bring a sacrifice, an unblemished lamb, lamb to cover their sins. But Christ is the only one who is qualified. He is the atoning sacrifice. Now let's look at verse, skip down to verse 14. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, Jesus has done everything that we need. His work is complete to provide for our salvation. What we are called to do is to simply believe in the Word of God, to simply believe that Jesus died for our sins and to accept Him as our Savior and Lord. He died for you, He rose again so that you might have life and have it to its full. So the Word of God is reminding us that Christ came to be the visible image of an invisible God. Christ came to give us life, spiritual life, abundant life, meaningful life. Christ came to pay the penalty for our sins, for yours and for mine. And Christ came to be the Savior of the world, to offer salvation to anyone who would receive Him. By faith. And because God is a just God, the choice is ours. He offers it to us. Do you know my Savior? You can have life and have it to its full. You can have eternal life with Him. He offers to you this free gift of salvation. Will you receive Him? This morning, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're not going to have an altar call because we're going to move to these next few verses. But if you have never accepted Christ and you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, 
Susie will be down here at the front afterwards, and I will be down here at the front. Come and talk to us. We'll tell you what that means. We'll pray with you this morning, and we'll give you that opportunity. Do you know my Jesus? But there's more. Once we receive Christ in faith, there's more to the reason why Christ came. Let's look at verse 11. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, it's the great commandment to love God and to love each other. Now, what that may, what the, that, this is the main thing that God expects of us, that we love one another. Now, remember this love, it's not about liking someone or being romantically in love with someone or liking them because they like you. It's a commitment. It's a decision of our intellect and our will to love someone even though they do not deserve our love. You see, the great commandment is we're to love God and our neighbors ourselves. We are to love one another, even though they do not deserve our love. It's a decision. It's a part of being a follower of Christ. That's what we are called to do. You see, we can never adequately, adequately, oh, adequately, help me say that word. (laughs) There you go. Pay God for all that he has done for us. We can never repay the debt that we owe. And it's out of this resource, the grace of God, that we are empowered to love one another. Are you listening? Now let's look at verse 12. It says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because his spirit is given us because he has given us his spirit. Now I want you to understand what Jesus is telling us. Though through us those who do not know God will see us see God through us. You see they get to see the invisible God through us. Think about that. God's Holy Spirit dwells in us. That means that when you are a follower of Christ and somebody in church ticks you off, the preacher says something you don't like, the Sunday school teacher aggravates you, your friend annoys you, you don't leave the church. You don't stop coming to church. But as a follower of Christ, you make a decision to love that person even though they don't deserve your love. For we're called to love one another. You see, it is through obedience, through loving one another, that the world will see the visible image of God and the the visible image of God through us. Let's look again at those two verses. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, this word complete is the word teleos in the, in the Greek. It means to be made complete or to be made perfect. His love is perfected 
in us. The work is complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Now think about this. The world around us will know Christ because he lives in us. Because we love one another. Not out of our own resource, but out of the resource that God gives to us. You see, we are called to be salt and light in our world. John 1, 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Matthew 5 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds, and praise your Father in heaven. Are you allowing your light to shine? Are you allowing the light of Christ? Wait a minute. <laughs> what happened there? Okay. Um, somebody, somebody must have rigged this. Maybe it works by touch. I'm not sure. Anyway, let your light shine before men. So they might see your good deeds. Shine through me. The world will not know Christ. Unless we allow him to change us. Unless we are obedient to love one another. To be an example of Christ to our world. Now, I rigged this. It's pretty obvious. There's no magic in these hands. But there is magic. There is power in the Holy Spirit. And the truth is, it's difficult to love people that are not deserving of our love. Unusual people. Unique people. People who rub us the wrong way. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, And when we recognize the gift of God in our own lives, there's this spirit of gratitude where we weep because we're like the sinful woman who simply can't get over the redemption of God in her life. And we weep. And we're compelled to love even though we don't feel like loving. And we give, and we go the extra mile, and we serve regardless of what it means. Because our debt is so great. And so we love the unlovely. We care for the broken. And we let our light shine so others might know Christ this season will you say it with me Lord shine through me Lord shine through me every time you see Christmas lights I'm talking about the house that has tons of Christmas lights this season I want you to stop and pray Lord shine through me every time you see nativity slow down a little bit I say, thank you, Jesus. As it was with Mary, may it be with me. 
Pastor Edgar is going to lead us in a song. And we're going to sing and then we'll be dismissed with a prayer. But we're just going to celebrate all that God has done in our, in our hearts and our lives. If you don't know Christ, Pastor Susie's up here and I'm up here. We're not going to go out and greet you in the foyers we normally do. If you want to come and talk to us, you can come. Let's sing this song together, Pastor Edgar.